open them up to John chapter 7. We are going to have fun today. Are you having fun already? Hallelujah. Praise God. We like to have fun with Jesus. Amen? That's what it's all about. Have fun with Jesus. Come on. Christians should be the most joyous bunch on the face of this earth. Amen? All right. John 7, and I want to read 37 through 39 to kick this off. It says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, underline that, that's pretty important. Because how many of you know you can make another Jesus that is not the Jesus of the Bible? He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would, underline it, receive... For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He didn't go to the cross yet. He wasn't resurrected from the dead. Today I want to talk about one of the most fascinating and yet one of the most understood subjects in the New Testament. The ignorance and neglect of this one topic is one of the many reasons why many in the body of Christ are not walking in the power that God intends for them to walk in. I'm talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Who wants to hear about the baptism in the Holy Spirit today? Hallelujah. Now, the Bible speaks of three baptisms. Let's just break this down for you. Because you're like, baptism, baptism. Immediately your mind goes to water baptism. All right? But no, the Bible speaks of three baptisms. All right? The first one is when you got born again. You were baptized into the body of Christ. You made Jesus Lord of your life. Immediately, you're grafted into the body of Christ. You were set in the body. Are you hearing me? All right. Secondly, the Bible speaks about water baptism. All right. And lastly, it speaks about the Holy Spirit baptism. All right. Now, my goal today is to prove from the Word of God that the Holy Spirit... um, is the Holy Spirit baptism is indeed biblical and it is a second say second, second. a second experience after receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior now I have a lot of scriptures today all right and I want to let the word of God speak for itself so I'm going to be going through a lot of scriptures um, also I wanted to do this and it's a little lengthy. I got a lot of scriptures, but I want you to be able to also have a CD you can put in someone's hands. Someone who doesn't know about the Holy Spirit baptism, here's one CD. Listen to this. Here's some evidence for you. Okay? So, but you must understand that in God's eyes, this experience is not optional. This is a requirement. Say requirement. Now, I'll talk more about that later. But if you have received the Holy Spirit baptism already, great. This is a refresher for you. And this will just build your foundation so you so it's fresh in your mind to be able to share with other people. Right? I mean, you know, we got to stay sharp on the foundation. It's when the foundation is destroyed, the Bible says, what can the righteous do? We need a foundation. Amen? All right. So... 
for those of you that were taught that the Holy Spirit baptism is not a second experience, uh, and those of you who have not received it, obviously, I want to encourage you this. I want you to set aside all your denominational bias right now. Set aside anything negative that you have ever learned about the Holy Spirit. Can you do that for me? Just set it, set it aside. And I want you to honestly take a look and consider at the evidence that I'm going to put in front of you today from the Word of God, okay? You know, what I see is one of the biggest enemies to an individual spiritually that hinders them from moving forward with God is not the devil, but their own pride. How many of you found that out? It's their own pride because the devil can't make you do anything. In fact, when you give in to something bad, that's exactly what it is. You're giving in to it by your own free will. Are you hearing me, somebody? So I want you to set those things aside that are negative that you've ever heard about the Holy Spirit baptism in tongues and all that goes along with the awesome experience. Um, But many Christians have been taught that we have a lot of Christians on this earth today that have been taught that the Holy Spirit baptism is not for today. And they won't even do an honest study of it. Because they, this is what it boils down to, really. They don't want to find out that what they have been believing for years may be wrong. You mean I wasted 10, 20, 30 years of my life and this was in the Bible? They are afraid to come to that point in their life, a lot of them. Are you hearing me, somebody? All right. But that's why God requires Christians to be meek, to have meekness that's teachable. He wants you to be teachable. Say teachable. Teachable. All right, so we got to humble ourselves and receive what the truth of the Bible says. And some will never go any farther with God in their Christian walk because mom and dad raised them in a church that doesn't believe. That the Holy Spirit baptism is for today. And frankly, they don't want to upset mom and dad by going to another church. Whoa, I'm hitting some nerves here today. See, now listen. I was raised in a church for 20 years that doesn't believe it. Now, if I can change that for 20 years. Hello, somebody. First of all, I didn't have a clue. I mean, uh, you know. I was going to church, but I wasn't a Christian. Does that make sense to you? Just like going and standing in a garage doesn't make you a car. Okay? All right, some of you will get that. Uh, So anyways, some people would rather please their parents at the expense of grieving the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage every person listening to me, watching me, To understand this fact right here. On judgment day, you will not have to answer to mommy and daddy. But you'll be answering to God himself. Amen? So, you got to make decisions that are going to be pleasing to God. And yes, sometimes it's not going to be pleasing to your parents. Right? Alright, so, I'll move on. The Holy Spirit baptism is one of the most fascinating subjects in the New Testament. It was the first major experience that the disciples of Jesus received after Jesus 
ascended into heaven. And upon receiving this awesome experience, the New Testament church was birthed. And the disciples went forth with explosive power, preaching the kingdom of God, come on, and giving witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that hasn't changed. What they did back then, we should be doing now. Amen? Amen? So I want to begin by laying a good foundation in your life on this topic. The first thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit baptism is that it was prophesied by the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. Go to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, and I want to look at verses 28 through 29. You're going to be so full of the word today, you're going to be spitting it up when you get out of here. All right? You're going to be sitting in the restaurant today, and you're going to be speaking Scripture, thanking Scripture. Your head's going to be spinning with Scripture, okay? All right. At least I hope. Um, Joel 2, 28 and 29 says this. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see, see visions. Who's been dreaming dreams in here? Oh, I know you don't want to be considered old men. No, okay. And verse 29. And also on my men's servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. All right? So that is a prophecy from the Old Testament, and it's referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How do we know this? Well, in Acts 2, Peter, when on the day of Pentecost, Peter refers back to that scripture as saying, this is that. Let's say that. Say, this is that. He's pointing back to that prophecy, and he talks about what Joel said. Now, the Holy Spirit baptism was also prophesied by John the Baptist under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. Go to Matthew 3, 11. Matthew 3.11. Yeah, but the book of Matthew is in the New Testament. Yeah, I know, but Jesus uh, didn't come yet. Are you hearing me? He didn't die on the cross yet, so it's still under the Old Covenant. That makes sense to you? Matthew 3.11 says this, I indeed baptize you, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is, com- who is coming after me Jesus is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So we have our first place in Scripture where a Baptist believes in the Holy Spirit baptism. (laughs) Are you hearing me? (laughs) I love that joke. All right. Now, the Holy Spirit baptism was prophesied by Jesus under the Old Covenant. Because he didn't die yet, right? All right, he didn't go to the cross yet. He came to what? Fulfill the law, right? Now go to Luke 11. I want to show you something here. Luke 11. We love our Baptist friends, amen? Amen. We just say, come on, join the fullness, amen? Hallelujah. Luke 11 9 through 13, the words are read, and this is Jesus doing the speaking here. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it shall, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. 
If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who, underline this, asked him? Now, that's, that's a head-scratcher there, isn't it? Those who ask him? Let me ask you this. If we received the fullness of the Holy Spirit when we get born again, why would Jesus talk about asking our Heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit? Wouldn't, wouldn't Jesus have just said, well, when you believe in me, you're going to get the Holy Spirit? He didn't say that, though. He said you, he'll give if you ask. Also, well, you want some further evidence of this? Okay. Also, Jesus likens this or, or uses the word children. Are you seeing this? He uses the word children in that verse. And if you're not born again, if you're not a Christian, you are not a child of God. And he's, he's talking about in the context of being a child here. If a child asks his father. So the context here is a person is saved, but you still must ask for the Holy Spirit. Did you follow that? Isn't that interesting? Again, why would Jesus tell us to ask for the Holy Spirit if we received the fullness when we, get sa when we got saved? The fact is this. The Holy Spirit baptism is indeed a second experience for the Christian to receive after getting born again. I got more evidence for you, don't worry. But you can see from these Old Testament prophecies that I read that God was giving the future church, us, a heads up about the Holy Spirit baptism. He was giving us the heads up. I love it. Now, did you know that Jesus received the Holy Spirit baptism? And Jesus is our example. Go back to Matthew chapter 3. Let me show you something here and point some things out. Now, a lot of people, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll save that in a minute here. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Uh, Matthew three thirteen through 17. Listen to this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John, the Baptist, tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it, now to, permit it so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus was saying this, basically. Hey, I need to send an example for my future body. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and alighting, up, underline this, upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, a lot of people, a lot of Christians who don't believe in the Holy Spirit baptism will point to that verse and say, look, Jesus was water baptized. He's our example. So we have to be water baptized. That's a fact, Jack. Right? 
But he was also baptized with the Holy Spirit. It said when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Upon, say upon. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Also, here's a little side note for those who are, have oneness theology, who believe that basically Jesus is the Father, He is the Son, He is the Holy Spirit. All right? That's wrong. There's a trinity. There's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons. Are you hearing me, somebody? Because Jesus was on the earth. He was getting baptized, wasn't He? Then it said the Father spoke to Him, if you look in that verse, out of heaven. And then the Holy Spirit came upon him. So unless Jesus was a ventriloquist, are you hearing me, somebody? Come on. All right. So Jesus was, was uh, water baptized, and he was Holy Spirit baptized. Now, I want to bring another important point to your attention about this. Before this experience, Jesus did not do any miracles according to the Word of God. It was after, come on, the Holy Spirit came upon him that miracles began. Now you can see why we have so many weak and powerless Christians walking around on this earth. Because even the Son of God himself knew he needed the Holy Spirit to anoint him, to baptize him, to walk in power. Are you following me, somebody? Jesus made this very clear when he told us the importance of receiving the Holy Spirit in Acts 1, verse 8. He said, you shall receive power after or when the Holy Spirit has come, there it is again, upon you. You need to understand this fact. I did a sermon on this called Power and Authority a while back. And you can download it online. I think you can... Yeah, I don't think I have it on video, but you can watch it online or uh, download the podcast. You need to understand this fact. A Christian has authority through Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit baptism. But when you receive the Holy Spirit baptism, you not only have authority, you receive what? According to Jesus, power. Power. Say power. You receive power. There is power and there is authority and they are separate. They are separate. Because, come on, when you get saved, immediately you're in the body of Christ, you are able to use the name of Jesus, right? There is authority in that name. But Jesus in his own words said, hey, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. Power to do what? If you go further in that verse in Acts 1a. Power to be a witness for me. A witness of my resurrection. See, Paul understood this. That the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. But in power. Say power. I mean, this is how the early church could shake the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without satellite TV. Hello, without the internet. They were operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. So all of the above prophecies from the Old Testament were fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. All right, now what is Pentecost? You hear Pentecost, a lot of people just 
equate Pentecost with the experience of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Well, Pentecost is simply, it's a Jewish feast day. It's a Jewish feast. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit just happened to take place on that Jewish feast day. That's why we say Pentecost. Are you hearing me? That's what that means, just, uh, just uh, in a nutshell there. Go to Acts 2. Are you staying awake for me today? All right. I figure, I figure this. If the Holy Spirit baptism was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Amen? A lot of people are trying to play church thinking that they know more than Jesus. And uh, I wouldn't go there. Amen? Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit or the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Now, the scene in this passage is literally, like what I said, this is literally the birth of the New Testament church, which began as a result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which was prophesied by Joel in in Joel chapter 2 that we read. Now, like I said, we know this because in Acts 2, 14 through 18, if you go down a little bit in Acts 2, uh, when Peter is speaking, when he's preaching to the people after the outpouring, he's, he, he says, this is, and he repeats what Joel prophesied about. This is that. Yeah. Say, this is that. this is that. Now, go to Acts 1, 4 through 5. It says, and being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, capital H, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. Jesus is saying, look, I I already told you about this before. It's coming. He's coming. Verse 5, for John truly baptized you with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit Spirit, not many days from now. Jesus was speaking to his followers, to believers. Hello. He was speaking to believers. This experience of the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit baptism, was so important that Jesus told his followers, wait in Jerusalem until the promise comes. Don't even go out. Don't try to do anything. Just wait. Because, oh, here it goes. I just had inspiration of this. Because you're going to do more with the Holy Ghost than you can without him. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, wait. It was important. It was important to Jesus for his followers to receive the Holy Spirit. The fullness. Say fullness. And that same experience is still on Jesus' priority list today. Today, right now. Power to be a witness for him. 
You'll make a greater impact for Jesus by receiving the Holy Spirit baptism. In fact, there's some things in your life you're not going to fulfill your purpose that God has for you without receiving the Holy Spirit baptism. The Holy Spirit spoke this to Kenneth E. Hagan one day. He said, there's people who live and die and they never fulfill the first stage of their ministry that I've given to them. Could it be also because they haven't received the fullness, the helper, the one called, ah, come on. And I mean, there are, per, there are awesome personal benefits that go along with the experience too. We'll talk more about that in a, in a little bit. But you don't have to wait now. If you have made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit baptism, baptism is available to you right now. Right now. Let me show you something interesting. More evidence here. In what I'm about to read, Peter identifies Acts chapter 2 as the Holy Spirit baptism. That Jesus spoke of in Acts 1.5. Which he also identified as the Holy Spirit baptism in Jesus' own words. Go to Acts 11. We are making great time. Alright. Acts 11. 15-16. This is talking about when uh, Peter was ministering to Cornelius' house, all right? Listen to this. This is powerful. And as I began to speak, Peter, as Peter began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Say upon. As upon us at the beginning. Hmm, what's Peter talking about? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said in Acts 1.5, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, okay, you got to understand something here. This is a time after the day of Pentecost took place. So some people try to say this, that the outpouring at Pentecost, that was just a one-time deal. Now you just receive it when you make Jesus Lord of your life. Well, if that's the case, explain Acts eleven fifteen through 16 to me then. Right. Why? Oh, come on, somebody. Peter put an emphasis on the Holy Spirit coming upon them. He's talking about the Holy Spirit baptism. Are you following me? Now, Peter recognized that the Holy Spirit baptized or came upon those in individuals. Let me ask you this. What was it that Peter seen or heard what was happening, happening to him where he said, Well, doggone it. That reminds me of what happened to us in the beginning. What, I mean, what was Peter? I mean, was it just, yeah, boy, they look pretty happy right there. You know, hey, yeah, boy, the Holy Spirit's coming upon them just like us in the beginning. They just look pretty good there. Boy, you look sharp in that robe today. Come on, somebody. Peter's seen something that happened in the initial outpouring that was happening right there. 
the major sign given in Acts chapter 2 that the baptism in the Holy Spirit had actually come was that they spoke with tongues. Hello, somebody. Peter, Peter was putting the puzzle together. That's a tongue twister. Say that with me. Peter was putting the puzzle together. Forget it, you guys. <laughs> All right, listen. Before I go any further, it is important to point out and understand that the Bible clearly reveals that there are two, come on, say two, distinct experiences in connection with the Holy Spirit. A person is saved or born again, we call it, when they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior by faith. Do you agree with that? Now, at that point, the Holy Spirit comes in to that person's spirit man and causes them to be born again. I like to say the Holy Spirit comes in and, and does some rearranging. He moves some furniture in your spirit man. Are you hearing me, somebody? He, kick, he kicks that thing out, that, that sin nature out, and he puts in righteousness. Are you hearing me? But yet, there's another experience. Go to John 20, 22. I'm going to show you something here. This is interesting. Some say, you know, Pastor James, why would God do that? Why doesn't he just give us all of the Holy Spirit right when you're saved? Why would he do that? I don't, you know, I, I don't know. All I know is it's in there. <laughs> And we need to take advantage of everything that God has, right? right. You're just going to have to ask him that when you get up, uh, when you go upstairs one day. But, um, you know, I, but although sometimes God does things, he, he sets something there, a block there to reveal our heart. To re, just to reveal what's in our heart. Are you really hungry for me? Do you really want more of me? Then take this next step of receiving the Holy Spirit baptism. Are you hearing me? There's just some things God will do. To, I, I don't, it, it, it's like a chase. He, he's saying, come on, pursue me. Come on, come on, there's more, there's more. I don't know why, but it's good. It's good. John 20, 22. Now, Jesus is together with his disciples here. And... This was um, after Jesus' resurrection, all right? And Jesus is gathered with his disciples, and verse 22 says, And when he, Jesus, had said this, he gave them some, some things, he said some things to them. It said, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now this is not talking about the Holy Spirit baptism. Follow me here. The, this is the, the early disciples right here. When Jesus breathed, he, he was, this is basically like the born again experience. The Holy Spirit came in them. This was, now some of you are saying, well, how do you know that? How do you know that, Pastor James? How can you be so confident? Because these same disciples he said this to, he said, go in Jerusalem and wait for the promise. So if this was the baptism in the Holy Spirit right here, he wouldn't have told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to you? 
All right? Now, something that's interesting, I read something that, you know, God breathed life into Adam. Well, Adam messed the whole thing up. And this is kind of an interesting thing where Jesus breathed his life back in to his people. Isn't that interesting? Right in the beginning when God created man, he breathed into man life. And Jesus now, after his resurrection, by the way, which makes it more interesting, breathes his life back in to his people. Oh, I like that. So, do you understand what I'm saying here? That if this indeed was the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Jesus wouldn't have told these same disciples to go and wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that's found in Luke 24, 49. Uh, Quickly, let's look at that. Luke 24, I'll show you where he said that. To them. Luke 24, 49. He said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So we can say then that experience in John 20, 22 was like the born again experience for the disciples, okay? Uh, I want to show you another passage that proves that there are two distinct experiences here of the Holy Spirit. Go to uh, Acts 8. Acts 8, 5 through 8, I want to look at here. This is when Philip, the evangelist, went to a city called Samaria. And he was doing some ministry there. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, demons, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now these people in Samaria, they received the word of God. They got saved, water baptized, healed, delivered from demons. They were made joyful. Hallelujah. Amen. Yet, there was one thing that was needful that was lacking. Can you guess what it was? The Holy Spirit baptism. Peter and John were sent by the apostles from Jerusalem to Samaria when they heard that the people had received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Go down to verse, uh, go to Acts 8, 14 through 17. Let me show you this now. Now remember, it said that they were saved. They received the word of God. Are you hearing me? It says, now in 14 through 17, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. Friends, this is way past Jesus' ascension. This is way past the day of Pentecost in the outpouring. Don't you think if the Holy Spirit baptism was not a second experience, this pattern wouldn't be in the Bible. That long of a distance past Pentecost. Are you hearing me? For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only, come on, 
Look at this. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Friends, an unbeliever does not get water baptized. A Christian does. Yet, they were lacking the Holy Spirit baptism. Are you getting this today? I mean, as I'm preaching this today, it's, it's becoming more of a reality to me today than it was yesterday studying it. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17. Then they, Peter and John, laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now you need to know something. There's different ways to receive the Holy Spirit baptism. There's the asking way by faith. Luke eleven thirteen, which we read that Jesus said. There's other times God is the laying on of hands. A Holy Ghost baptized Christian will lay hands on a person. Boom, they get baptized. Are you hearing me? Again, let me just reemphasize this. If they had received all of the Holy Spirit when they were born again, why did Peter and John have to go to Samaria to lay hands on the Christians to receive? Because the Holy Spirit baptism is a second experience after your salvation experience. Now, moving along, what is the evidence of having received the Holy Spirit baptism? I mentioned it earlier. I want to dig in deeper now. A tangible, supernatural sign is given. Now, first of all, listen. Everything in the Christian life is received through faith. You understand that, don't you? Okay. The Bible also says in the New Testament in James, that faith without works is what? Dead. All right? And one of the evidences of receiving the Holy Spirit baptism is speaking in tongues. Tongues, by the way, is the word tongues. You know what the word tongues mean? The word tongue means language. So the word tongues would mean what? Languages. All right? That's all that means. And tongues, what the Bible speaks of, is a supernatural sign. Say supernatural. It is a language that you have never learned. And the Bible is very consistent in the fact that tongues was the initial evidence. Say initial. initial. That a person received the Holy Spirit baptism. Now let's look at some evidence of this fact then. Uh, t- oh, by the way, let me, I got to show you this. Tongues, by the way, was prophesied in the Old Testament. Do you, do you know that? Have you, did you know that? That tongues was prophesied in the Old Testament. Go to Isaiah 28 real quick. I want to show you that. Tongues <laughs> was prophesied in the Old Testament. Isaiah 28. I was going to say go to Tongues 28, all right? There's my little secret for you. All right. Isaiah 28, 11 through 12. Hey, I'm an open book. What can I say? For with stammering lips and, there it is, another tongue, he, God, will speak to his people. To whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Oh, how many of you know we're living in the day of the last sentence right now? Yet they would not hear. Much of the body of Christ doesn't hear. 
They don't want to receive this experience. I want you to notice it talks about that it's rest. It brings rest and it brings a refreshing. How many of you in here who's Holy Ghost baptized and you pray in tongues? I mean, it brings a rest to your spirit. You can be in anxiety. You can be in a situation that's troubling. You pray in the spirit and all of a sudden it's like a refreshing comes. A rest comes. Oh, hallelujah. Well, God prophesied that before you were a thought in mommy and daddy's mind. Are you hearing me? But the Bible is very consistent to the fact that tongues was the initial evidence. Uh, in Mark sixteen seventeen, Jesus said, And these signs will follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out demons. Okay, that's not happening much in the body of Christ. They will speak with new tongues. That's not happening much in the body of Christ. Man, we got to get to work, people. Listen. They will speak with new tongues. That's not talking going into high school and going to French class. Are you hearing me, somebody? He's talking about a supernatural experience. A supernatural enablement by the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.4 says this. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They sat around play euchre. No, it says and began. To speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to notice something here. That they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And you could say, and they began to speak. The individual must, by their own free will, do the speaking. A lot of people, when they come up to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, I lead them through the prayer, I pray over them, and and they just... They're, they're expecting like, like, um, you know, like a chainsaw effect's gonna happen. Boy, the Holy Ghost is just gonna take over. And no, no, no. A demon spirit will try to do that with fake tongues. Are you hearing me? Listen to me. But the Holy Spirit will never force an individual. And by the way, Jesus said, if you ask for a fish, I'm not going to give you a stone. Are you hearing me? If if you're asking for the Holy Spirit, don't worry. You're not going to receive a demon spirit. Are you hearing me? So so many people are afraid. Well, what if I pray for it and and I end up getting an evil spirit? It's not going to happen. Hello, that's the enemy trying to scare you from moving forward in this experience. Oh, my. And I'll tell you, this topic is fought so hard. This is a topic. Holy Spirit baptism, tongues, spiritual gifts. You, you do the research yourself in all of the denominations within Christian faith. This is, this is the major, one of the major divisions. Major things that divide. You know what I'm saying? Major. Now, if the enemy is fighting so hard and causing this much division in the body of Christ, you know it's got to be good. Oh, you know it's got to be good. Come on, I'm giving you evidence today. This is not Pastor James's opinion. This is Bible, people. But the individual must speak on their own free will. And the Holy Spirit will give you utterance. Say utterance. See, he's the, again, he's the helper, not the doer. Right? Isn't that what Jesus said? He's the one called alongside to help. But the book of James says, we are to be doers. Amen. Now, look at Acts 10. 
Hallelujah. Acts 10, 44 through 46. Here we go. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. I wonder what Peter was talking about. You know what? I venture out to say that I bet he was talking about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because they had faith enough to receive the Holy Spirit baptism there. Are you hearing me, somebody? And those of... Oh, my, my, my. <laughs> Someone needs to hear this. God gives, God gives away what he has. God gives away what he has. God can't give away cancer because he doesn't have it. Someone needed to hear that, Rama word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter. Uh, man, I'm all messed up now after a Rama word. I love it. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For how do they know this? How, again, how do we know the Holy Spirit was poured out? Verse 46, look at this. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Are you hearing me, somebody? Again, here's another instance of the Holy Spirit baptism. What's the evidence? What did they see that made them say, hey, the Holy Ghost being poured out? Tongues. Acts 19. Go there with me. This is a good one, too. All right, it's all good. See, we need to get excited about the Word of God. Amen? Oh, we need to get excited. There is power in this book right here. Acts 19, 1 through 6. Some of you are asking yourself, Pastor James, with this being so clear and evident that this experience, this is a second experience, how can people miss this? You know what that's called? Deception. It takes a demonic blindness not to see the will of God on this matter. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, right? I mean, a lack of knowledge of not even seeing it. But people, theologians, 32 degrees, which is still freezing, by the way, can read through the whole Bible and not even see it. Oh, you like that one, huh? Acts 19, 1 through 6. See, that's why God says that he, he takes the ones who, who are weak in the world's eyes. Oh, are you, see, are you hearing me, somebody? He takes the ones who the world says, they won't amount to anything. And then the Holy Ghost comes upon them. And they get turned into another man because of the anointing. Oh, my goodness. I'm about ready to jump off this place. Someone catch me. Acts 1, 19, 1 through 6. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Um, were they unbelievers? They're disciples. What does that mean? They're followers. They're believers of Jesus Christ. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's an odd question, Paul. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Is that not relevant today in much of the body of Christ, people? And he said to them, 
Into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And what happened? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. The evidence is so overwhelming here. And I know the devil doesn't like me very much right now. Are you hearing me, somebody? My goodness. Paul said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Since you believed. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Baptism. It is a second experience, and they spoke with tongues. Again, the Bible is very clear and consistent of the fact that tongues was the initial Evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit baptism. Listen to this. Out of, the Bible says, out of uh, the mouth of three witnesses, every word shall be established. Does it not? I just gave you three, but there's five. Listen to this. Uh, Out of the five experiences out of the book of Acts, three of them plainly reveal and say that they spoke in tongues. Uh, That was the sign that they experienced when they received the Holy Spirit baptism. The other two Examples are the Apostle Paul in Acts 9.17 and Simon the Sorcerer, or I like to say the ex-sorcerer, okay? Because a sorcerer is not going to receive the Holy Ghost, all right? <laughs> or, or Jesus, all right? But Simon the Sorcerer in Acts 8, 18 or 21. In the case of Paul, it didn't specifically say when when, and when they laid hands on Paul, that he received, that, that he spoke in tongues. It doesn't say that in that scripture. But what does it do? In the case of Paul, he said later down the road in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. He said, I thank my God, I speak in tongues more than you all. Obviously, he received, received the same experience that we just read from the other ones. Are you hearing me? Then... All right, Simon the sorcerer, or ex-sorcerer, all right, he wanted to pay money to receive the gift to lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. He received Jesus. You better believe he received the fullness. Are you hearing me? He wanted to pay money for this thing, all right, to, to give it to other people, and Peter rebuked him. Listen to this. This is interesting. Peter rebuked him in Acts 8, 21. By saying, you have no part in the matter, meaning this gift, this ministry gift here. That, that word matter in the, Greek, in the Greek is the word logos, which means word or divine utterance. Isn't that interesting? But listen, you just do more study on that yourself. But in the New Testament, you will often find the introduction of a truth or a doctrine in the Gospels. And you will... And the experience of that truth in the book of Acts. And then you'll see that truth explained further in the epistles down the road in the New Testament. Do you see the progression? Something will be like, well, with the Holy Spirit baptism, that's one. But then another one is divine healing. It's introduced in the Gospels. It happens in Acts. You see experiences, right? And then it's explained further down the road in the epistles. Uh, that's, that's just one, a couple examples there. All right. But did you know, here's a lot of confusion in the body of Christ. Did you know 
that there are two kinds of tongues that the Bible speaks about. Say two kinds of tongues. Man, this is so misunderstood. The Apostle Paul elaborates on this truth in 1 Corinthians quite a bit. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, explains the difference between tongues as a sign of the Holy Spirit baptism, or we like to say your prayer language, or praying in tongues, okay? And then there is the gift of tongues. Say prayer language, gift of tongues. They're separate. The gift of tongues must be followed by an interpretation. Which, by the way, interpretation, the gift of interpretation is a supernatural gift of the Spirit of God. Are you hearing me? But praying in tongues does not need an interpretation. That is your personal language between you and God. Are you hearing me, somebody? So some people, let me just give an example. Uh, There's some people who say, like, like if I get up here and I just start walking you know, during altar call, and I'm praying in the Spirit here. Some people are like, oh, oh, see, you need an interpretation. You need an interpretation. No, I don't, because I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to God. Right. Now, what's the gift of tongues? The gift of tongues is, um, is when someone comes up here. Let's say Jan. Jan flows in this quite a bit. She comes up here. She comes behind the microphone, and she has a, a she obviously operates in the gift of tongues. She comes up, and she just starts and she speaks in tongues and then she may either get the interpretation also and speak it or she might just give the tongue and she feels that's all she was supposed to give she goes and sits down someone we're waiting around lord give us this interpretation whoop someone says yeah you know i do i feel like i have it they come up and they speak in english and give what was spoken in the supernatural prayer language her supernatural gift of tongues so the gift of tongues is for a corporate setting The prayer language is between you and the Lord. All right? Now, another thing that always bugged me, if someone always said, you're not supposed to pray in tongues when you're up here on the altar call in front of people. We don't know what you're saying. Well, the thing is this. Listen to this. What, and this, this, I flow in this uh, pretty regular basis. I'll walk the aisles here and I'll pray in tongues. And then all of a sudden I'll say something that I feel inspired to speak in English after praying in tongues. So in a sense, I'm praying, I'm, the gift is happening, and then I give it in English. Sure. So who, who are you to say that I, that's not happening then? Yes, sir. Are you hearing me, somebody? All right? But there's times when I will just pray, I, like if I'm laying hands on someone, I might just pray in tongues and see if the Lord gives me anything to speak to someone. Or sometimes when I'm laying hands on somebody, I'm praying in tongues, and I know there's an impartation of something happening in that person. Sure. I'm, pulling for, I'm pulling on heaven. Yes. Are you hearing me? Okay. So, this is really misunderstood. 1 Corinthians 12.30 has been misunderstood by so many in the body of Christ. All right, Look at 1 Corinthians 12.30. It says, do all have gifts of healings? Do all, by the way, this, <laughs> gifts of healings, a lot of people see, say, say, see, not everyone's supposed to be healed. Hey, no, this is talking about the gift to be able to give it away, not to receive. Ah. So, do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? So right there they say, see, not everyone, not everyone gets tongues. Well, that is true, it does say that. But the problem with what you're doing is you're twisting it. Because the context of this is the gift of tongues for corporate assembly. Not your prayer language. Oh, this is good stuff, people. 
1 Corinthians 12.10. Go there. 1 Corinthians 12.10. To another, the working, it lists spiritual gifts. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. There it is. See? Not everyone gets it, Pastor James. Well, the problem with that is, it's talking about the gift again. Are you hearing me, somebody? You can see how scripture can be twisted by people who just want to wrap up their own theology in a nice box and carry it home and wear it on their shoulder. But it's dead religion when it's not the word of God. Are you hearing me, somebody? The apostle Paul referred to the prayer language in 1 Corinthians 14.5. 1 Corinthians 14.5. He says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Yeah, underline that. That's good. I wish you all spoke with tongues. All right? Listen. But even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with a tongue, unless indeed he interprets that the church may be uh, receive edification. Now listen to this. Paul was not belittling the prayer language there. He was referring to the corporate setting. He was saying, look, I would rather you prophesy. Prophecy is di- uh, divine inspiration uh, being uh, moved upon by the Holy Spirit to speak something in a language that everyone can understand. Are you hearing me? He's just saying, hey, in the corporate setting, I, I would rather you speak something that the people are going to understand and be fed by. This brings me to an important point. Listen to this. The gift of tongues. I got a math equation for you. Write this down. The gift of tongues plus the interpretation of tongues equals prophecy. Okay? But Paul encourage us, encourages us to pray in tongues. So, see, don't cut these verses out of the Bible. How about that one, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 14, 20, 39. 1 Corinthians 39 and 40 or something. Where he says, forbid not to speak in tongues. Don't forbid it. Well, how many churches do we have on this earth, Christian churches, who forbid it? You better not speak in tongues in this church. That's of the devil. They better be very careful because they're ignorantly blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me, somebody? And the Bible says you're bringing a curse upon yourself by adding and taking away from the word. I'm telling you, this is very, very serious stuff. All right. Um... 1 Corinthians 14, 15. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. Uh-huh. Okay, let's see. Uh, all right. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. He said, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is, is unfruitful. Let me just say this about the prayer language. When you pray in your prayer language, unless God gives you that interpretation by the Holy Spirit, your mind has no clue what you're saying. You have no clue. You just sound like you're babbling. Are you hearing me? You're babbling. Say babble. Say it sounds weird. Say my mind is unfruitful. Okay. So what I'm saying is this. If you're going to use your prayer language, you've got to shut off the brain valve for a while. Are you hearing me, somebody? Because a lot of people say, it just, I feel so weird. I, I, I don't know what I'm saying. Well, that's the point. Your understanding's unfruitful. It's the Holy Spirit praying through your spirit. 
the perfect will of God, by the way. And by the way, some of you weren't here last week. I said it last week. Some things will not come to pass in your life unless you're praying in tongues. Because the Bible says that we don't know how to pray for as we ought. At times, we don't. Right? We know to pray in line with what the will of God is revealed in the word of God, sure. But there are things that we don't know what to pray for. And sometimes we're praying and, and while we're praying it through, God is setting a divine appointment for us. That we didn't know what to pray for with our natural mind. Are you hearing me? I mean, you could be praying in tongues and you could be, be praying... Oh, that ball's going to drop in place right there in your life. And oh, this person's going to come here. Are you hearing me? Publisher's clearing house is going to come to your door with a camera. No, just come on, somebody. Are you hearing me? Hey, I'm telling you, praying in the spirit is powerful. Praying in the spirit is powerful. And, and Paul knew this fact. And he said, I pray in tongues more than you all. Right? All right. So we got we to gotta catch up to Paul here. All right. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 15 says, what is it? What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. There it is, the prayer language right there. And I will also pray with the understanding. Oh, oh, and he goes a step further. I will sing with the Spirit. And I will also sing with the understanding. Who's ever sang in the Spirit before? It's powerful. You're just letting words. It's like you're putting a tune to your prayer language. And it sounds beautiful. I know it sounds strange if you haven't done it yet, but it's powerful. And when you, when you get, I notice I start doing it when I really start to enter into the presence of God strongly. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you, you just enter into another level of the glory of God. And, and this, this melody starts coming out. That's singing in the Spirit. So, Paul says, I'm going to pray with the Spirit, and I'm going to pray with the understanding. Do both. Amen? And uh, lastly, my last scripture is 1 Corinthians 14.2. says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. This is talking about your prayer language that every Christian receives when baptized in the Holy Spirit. For no one understands him. However... In the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. What does that mean? Not a mystery to God. It's a mystery to you. Because you don't know what to pray for. And you're speaking it. And how many of you know prayer is powerful? When you're praying, come on, you're giving God access to come into your life. I I mean, I, I, I don't have time, obviously, to go through that whole thing. But Jesus said, pray for laborers to be sent into the harvest. Uh, Jesus, um, it's the will of God for people to be saved. Um, won't God just send the people anyways? Well, then why did he ask us to pray for laborers? He was inferring that it's not going to happen unless you pray for it. Are you hearing me, somebody? So when you're speaking, you're releasing those, that prayer language. Oh, man, this, this, this could get so deep, guys. Because mankind, we have authority on this earth. Are you hearing me? We have authority on this earth. And whether you like to admit it or not, God operates through people. He operates through people. And when God moves, he needs permission through people. Mm, That that fell. I know, I know, I know, I know. That sounds black. 
It's a, you, you look through Scripture. He doesn't do anything except he reveal his secrets to the prophets. Are you hearing me, somebody? That's what Scripture says. So when you, when you are, are praying in tongues, you are allowing the Holy Spirit to pray the perfect will of God about certain situations. And because you freely yield yourself as an agent on this earth that has authority, God made it this way, people. You're giving him access to move. I want you to say this. Say, I am important to the plan of God. You are. And, and I mean, it's just plain stupidity when you say that you're not. Because I'll tell you right now, God did not commission angels to preach the gospel. God did not commission angels to go lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. God did not commission angels to go cast out demons. Who did he commission? Us, his body. Amen? So that's the power of praying in tongues. You're yielding yourself. The authority that God has given you on this earth, you're saying, all right, Holy Spirit, go ahead. You can use me. And you just start praying in the Spirit. Oh, it's powerful. And lastly, how do we receive the Holy Spirit baptism? According to Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, you must be hungry. You must be thirsty. You need to have expectation. Last week I preached a sermon called Hunger, Thirst, and Expectation. You need to be hungry. You need to be thirsty. Are you hearing me, somebody? And our Heavenly Father wants to immerse you with the Holy Spirit so that you are so filled with power. People will see Jesus living through you. That you and I will be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Amen? And all that God requires you as his child to do, according to Jesus in Luke eleven thirteen, is to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Don't wait. Do it now. Let's stand up in this place right now. If you have never, if you have never received the Holy Spirit baptism and you are hungry, you are thirsty for the fullness of everything that God has, you have a responsibility now. You've seen evidence. And there's nothing to be afraid of. Are you hearing me? If you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism in this place or you online, I want you just to ask God. In fact, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Son, Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross, shed his blood for me, and he was resurrected from the dead three days later. And it's that Jesus, the Son of the living God, that I confess as Lord of my life. And Heavenly Father, you said, in your word if I ask for the Holy Spirit you would give him to me the fullness so right now by faith I ask you to baptize me immerse me 
Fill me with the Holy Spirit, with power from on high. I want to operate in all of the gifts of the Spirit. I want to operate in my prayer language, in Jesus' name. Now, if, if that was you, if, if for the first time you prayed that, I want you to come down. Now, maybe there's someone in here. I know I'm doing this a little backwards. That's all right. If there's someone in here who has never, someone in here who has never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Some of you heard this. You said, man, that sounds great. But Pastor James, I'm not even in the family of God. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come forward this morning. And I want to pray with you. And guess what? You can get saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit in one prayer. I'm telling you right now. There's no tarrying. There's no tarrying. There's no waiting period. Are you hearing me? Maybe there's someone in here. You need prayer for healing. Maybe you need deliverance. Maybe you feel like you're bound by demons. Bible talks much about that. You need prayer today for physical, emotional healing. You, you need feel like you need some deliverance. Come forward this morning. The rest of you, I'm going to open up the altar. You just come and worship the Lord. Crank that music up. Hallelujah.
want to give you a little bit of help this morning. This has come on me several times as pastor has preached on on this very topic, but I want to help you a little bit because some of you come from a, a Methodist tradition and you've heard the baptism of the Holy Spirit presented in another way and I was part of that for a very very long time. What I have to tell you is that if you read the early uh, writings of John the Baptist, he reached for tongues and never really got into preaching. It's not John the Baptist, John Wesley, who started Methodism. Um, he reached for tongues. He really believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He spoke of it, but, but never got over into preaching it. And here's what I want to help you with. The last step of faith. Some of you have prayed for the Holy Spirit to baptize you, and you're like, well, now I don't have this evidence, and I don't know what to do. Let me tell you something. The last step of faith is to fast our intellect. As a human being created in the image of God, thinking above the order of animals, okay? We don't, the last thing we want to fast is our intellect. And I have a friend who just makes, makes awful fun of the, of the gift of the, of tongues, of, of the Holy Spirit baptism and that evidence because he refuses to fast his intellect. And let me tell you something. One of the greatest things that ever happened in my life was as I approached this, I kept saying, Lord, I've prayed for your baptism. I've prayed for your fullness. Now, how is it to step over here? And the Lord said to me, because you've never reached out in faith and taken this last step and said, I will fast my intellect and allow you to pray through me. So I want to give you a scripture so that some of you can just step over. Some of you, it's just a matter of beginning to utter in the Spirit. It's just giving your tongue over to the Lord. 
Lord. First Corinthians chapter two says this, that our faith stand not in the wisdom of men. It's the last thing we want to give up, but that our faith stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I want to encourage some of you that have been taught another way on this to step over. I was in my backyard. I was in my backyard and I began to read John Bevere's book, Drawing Near, and I went back to chapters 12 and 13 and 14 and I said, I have to know about this, Lord. Help me. And and in my backyard at about midnight one night, the Lord helped me step over because I asked. Step over and begin to just let Him flow through me. And I just begin to utter, and you know what? I moved right out in faith. I moved right out in faith. This is for you. Fast that intellect and let God flow right through you, you're going to be surprised how the power of the Lord moves and how suddenly your prayer language opens to you in a grand way. Praise God. We got prayer requests online. Stretch your hands toward that camera. Gary is starting school again after 20 years. So Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, we pray for Gary. We pray that, Lord God, that you would give him clarity of mind. Lord, that he would be sharp, Lord God, with his intellect, Lord God, in that classroom. That he would be able to retain and hold onto all the information that he needs, Lord God, to take out of these classes. I believe they're Bible classes. So Lord, let your Holy Ghost fall on him. Lord, let him move the Spirit of God come upon him. That, Lord, he would enter into the fullness of everything you have for him. Holy Ghost, move. Send laborers into his path. Lord, that he would get hungry and thirsty for the things of God. We pray for Terry. Terry is in the early stages stages of congestive heart failure. In the name of Jesus, I command your heart to be healed. Terry, in the name of Jesus, God created that heart to function and to function properly. So I command that infirmity to go in Jesus' mighty name right now. Holy Ghost, move upon him. Bring healing, restoration to every part in Jesus' mighty name. Audrey has shaking in her body. I command right now every spirit of infirmity. Whatever infirmity this is, I command it to go. And I'm feeling real strong. There's an evil spirit associated with this. I command those devils to go in Jesus' mighty name right now. Go in Jesus' mighty name. And I command your body to be healed and function properly and never, never shake again in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, you just got to be bold in Jesus' name. Amen? Leon needs healing in back. I command every vertebrae. I command all every part of your spine, every part of your back be put in proper position. I command every pinched nerve to be released right now and healing flow through that spine. And be healed, be strengthened in Jesus' mighty and holy name. Uh, Stanley and Andrea, they are hungry for a move of God. So Stanley and Andrea, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that the Holy Ghost would fill you, would come upon you like never before, that everything in your life that's not of the Lord would be removed right now. And Lord God, you would just do great and mighty things and open doors for them in Jesus' mighty name. Uh, someone's father-in-law is getting married to a pagan witch. Father, Father, first of all, we pray for the salvation of this individual. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.